Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. Since we talked last week about studying diction in your native language, I thought it was only appropriate that this week we discuss a little English diction. I also wanted to include English because there's quite a large following here in Europe, Asia, and South America, so I thought it would be beneficial to talk about English as a foreign language. Our guests today are Mark Lawson, an American coach on the music staff of the Bayerische Staatsoper in Munich, and Aaron Pegram, an American tenor in the Fest Ensemble of the Zemperoper in Dresden. We'll be working through two texts, Shakespeare's Take, O oh, Take Those Lips Away and American composer Stephen Foster's Genie with the Light Brown Hair. Remember that I said I was too lazy in undergrad to pay attention to the rules? Well, today you're going to hear how true that actually is, because I'm going to prove right off the bat that I don't know the rules of singing in English. I had a great teacher for English diction, Dr. Lee Cass, who studied with Madeline Marshall herself, but that was over 20 years ago, and I'll cheerfully admit that I have tended to coach more from my own experience than from the rules, which will probably change now that I'm looking up all the rules for you. There are several versions of English diction because of the differences between the British and American languages. Since our guests today are both American, we'll be focusing on what is probably a mixture of American standard and mid-Atlantic dialect, because that's what we all speak and feel most comfortable with. As I said, my English diction teacher studied with Madeline Marshall, the author of The Singer's Manual of English Diction, which has been the standard for English diction classes in America for many decades. The newest source for English diction is called Singing and Communicating in English, written by Catherine LaBeouf just a few years ago, with an extensive explanation not only of the diction rules, but also the actual physical production of the sounds, both in British and American diction, as well as some interesting substitution ideas to make life easier when singing in English. I'll post the titles and links to these books at the blog, and you can find the texts for today at recmusic.org slash leader, L-I-E-D-E-R, or through the links at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. And just before we start, I want to thank everybody who's been sharing The Diction Police on Facebook and everyone who's rated in iTunes. I really appreciate all the feedback I've gotten and the fact that you're spreading the word. Our first text is Take, O oh, Take Those Lips Away, which is often attributed to Shakespeare because he quotes the first verse in Measure for Measure in the fourth act. Jacobean poet John Fletcher also quotes this text in his tragedy Bloody Brother. Now, I haven't been able to verify this anywhere else, but according to the Leeton Art Song text page, the actual author of this text remains unidentified. This poem has been set by many, many composers, including Amy Beach, Quilter, Passatieri, and Vaughan Williams. Take, oh take those lips away that so sweetly were forsworn, and those eyes the break of day, lights that do mislead the morn, but my kisses bring again, seals of love but sealed in vain, sealed in vain. Hide, O oh, hide those hills of snow that thy frozen bosom wears. 
on whose tops the pinks that grow are yet of those that April wears. But first set my poor heart free, bound in those icy chains by thee. That was Take, Oh, Take Those Lips Away, spoken by Mark Lawson. And I wanted to talk today about all these diphthongs, and we get one right off the top. Take. How, <laughs> yeah, we do like our diphthongs in English. So how do you coach someone to sing that diphthong? Depends on how long the note is. I mean, with diphthongs, I mean, what I always really try to do is try to be really specific with my singer as what the components of that diphthong are and the fact that we're going to spend most of our time on the first of take or take i mean depending on how long it is but i always try to be very very clear about that yeah so the primary vowel that first vowel is the longer one absolutely is the longer one and for this we we have this one kind of all over the place vein break and what would you do you think the primary vowel is more of a closed a, I would, like I would say, yeah. yeah. But now I must admit, I mean, I remember from being at, at Eastman School of Music, we had an old book, we had a, 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 Madeline an English, Marshall. Madeline, Madeline Marshall. Marshall. And I'm really sorry to say, I do not know what her rules are. Those I could not quote to you at this time. But I mean, certainly as far as my, my feel of it, it would say I would definitely, that first vowel would be a closed. Yeah. Take. Like more, so it is really an A and then an E take. To a real closed E too. I would say, like, and those. So, so in, uh, from a, from a closed O, at least a closed O, yeah. for sure. Those with the yeah, with the, with the, and I suppose with the with the closed O at with the, the end. closed O, exactly. Do we have, we have that one? Those we have Those snow. Yep. Grow. We get that one kind of all over the place too. Frozen. Frozen. And actually, that one's an interesting one because we have the two words there together with the three three different kinds of O's. Frozen bosom. <laughs> so we have the diphthonged o u, mm -hmm. and then bosom. O would be that classic cookie vowel, right? Exactly, the yeah. classic cookie vowel. Bosom, and then I guess the arshwa. Yeah, arshwa. But then, okay, so this again. I mean, with my la with my not being able to quote any chapter for verse from Madeline Marshall, then would. It's it's a schwa because it's a un, it's unstressed. Exactly, almost the same sound as our uh, uh, the. It goes of pretty close bosom. to it. Bosom, but bosom. We have one more diphthong in this one, which is the i. Lights, lights. Yeah, yeah. And the primary vowel, primary vowel there is still the a. Which we the, as far as it, yeah. <laughs> as we draw it in the air in front of each other. <laughs> exactly. Yes, the a. The a with the, it's actually a very bright a because in English we tend to speak with dark lights. A's, but we have to remember to get the l front and the a front as well. Sure, absolutely. And that comes up right at the beginning of the second verse too. Hide. I actually found one more just now. Bound. That's a, that's our there fourth song. There you go. Au. Au. We have in the second verse w h o s. Whose, who? In, in lyrics, we say who. We say whose. We say what. And so, and, and I remember actually as a child, the W H. We they'd always say you have to pretend you're blowing out a candle. And I say that to people. Yeah, I have to feel the air on my finger. Whose? Yeah, and in this case, the the W never even gets spoken. And what? We still get that O glide. Yeah, true. But in this, what? we just say a straight H. Whose? And it's a definite closed U. Yep. And, and actually who's. a voiced S, who's, yep. which is one of the ways we can usually tell people that are not native <laughs> English speakers without, their, without this, the voiced endings. 
What about forsworn? Maybe the R's, just quickly about that. We have a W there. We have all these little things that we kind of talked about. Yeah, no, that, and that, that, that is a, a sort of a minefield for, for, yeah, for, for the, your European singer. What my, my default rule would just be to go to a forsworn. So no R at all. I, oh, this oh. is the thing. I would, I would tell the European singer to do that because they will, generally will have come to me with an enormously uh, exaggerated forsworn. Mm -hmm. But we with, would not sing that. Which, which we, which we wouldn't, would, nor would, of course, we wouldn't say it either, but, but which we would not sing. Yeah. Even if it does sound stilted, even if it does sound you know, a little highfalutin, as we say, forsworn. You know, it, it, actually, when it comes to actually singing it, you know, you're going to get much more the, the right sort of sound, and it's going to just kind of give them a tool to avoid these errs. Exactly, to not sound like err, 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 like they're from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found the one thing that we, another thing we had talked about, that do. We have lights that do mislead the morning, and you exploded you the T and said the D as well. Lights, lights that do, that do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I suppose a, a similar thing in German diction. I mean, if the time, if if the tempo wouldn't allow it, then you'd go, you'd go lights that do. You just bring it that do. Your T is your D. Yeah. But certainly, as far as lyric diction, I would think lights that do, that yeah. do. And actually, you're, the word, went, as I would say, it is that. But you're saying almost that. I am lights that do. And I, I would actually coach that as well. That the <laughs> ad doesn't go too far. Ah, right? Do. I would I would tend to think that I do that because I'm because it's Iowan. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean th those those are my sort of flat Midwestern vowels. Mm hmm. But lights that 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 do. But I think the a sings better. I think you're right. A apple. It actually push, it pushes the soft palate down to say it, so it's apple. better to that a. If you get more apple, then the soft palate can step. You can sing it I more easily. Absolutely. Now Mark and I did this interview without having looked up the rules. And we both agreed that the second part of the diphthong is always a closed vowel, which I promptly double-checked in my diction books and found that, according to the rules, the second part of the diphthong should always be open vowels. Oxford Dictionary Online, too, has the open vowels. Oddly enough, every single one of my foreign language dictionaries have the closed variations for IPA. I thought that was interesting. But my ears agree with Mark. When I speak English, my diphthongs head more toward a closed I or a closed U. But, according to the diction books, you should avoid closing the diphthong too much. The important thing with English diphthongs, just as with German diphthongs, is to stay as long as possible on the primary vowel and just glide through that second vowel quickly on your way to the next consonant. So, just to be perfectly clear with the actual phonetic letters, the diphthong rules actually are for I, Bright A, open I. For A, closed E, open I. For O, closed O, open U. For AU, dark A, open U. There's also a fifth diphthong which we haven't gotten to yet, but we will in the next discussion. OI, open O and open I. Another thing to note is that sometimes the A diphthong will be written with an open E, A. Oftentimes Europeans try to sing this diphthong that way, and the vowel comes out sounding too spread to English-speaking ears, so the closed A is usually a better option in singing. We also mentioned the American schwa, which is completely different from the French and German schwas. I like to think of languages in terms of their default sound. 
In France, when people don't know what to say, they say, uh. In Spain, they say, eh. And in American English, we say, uh. <laughs> in an unstressed position, this uh is our schwa and is transcribed as an upside-down E, just as in every other language. In a stressed position, like in the words up or love, this uh sound is written like an upside-down V. Our next text is Stephen Foster's Genie with the Light Brown Hair. Stephen Foster is considered the father of American music. He was born in the early 1800s in what is now Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I actually went to college just down the street from the Stephen Foster Memorial. He attempted to make a living as a professional songwriter, which was unheard of in America in the mid-1800s, but since there were no copyright laws back then, he had a really tough time of that. He died with only 35 cents in his pocket at age 37. I dream of Jeannie with a light brown hair, born like a vapor on the summer air. I see her tripping where the bright streams play, happy as the daisies that dance on her way. Many were the wild notes her merry voice would pour, many were the blithe birds that warbled them o'er. Oh, I dream of Jeannie with a light brown hair floating like a vapor on the soft summer air. I long for Jeannie with the day-dawn smile, radiant in gladness, warm winning guile. I hear her melodies like joys gone by, sighing round my heart o'er the fond hopes that die, sighing like the night wind and sobbing like the rain, wailing for the lost one that comes not again. Oh, I long for Jeannie, and my heart bows low, never more to find here where the bright waters flow. That was Aaron Pegram reading Jeannie with the light brown hair, and I just wanted to start off by getting your take on some of these diphthongs. Lord knows I got a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and we start with the very first word. I. I really actually make a conscious effort to stay more on the ah, mm -hmm. and then to let the, the E sound come right at the end as I'm moving to the next sound. So the E is not so much a sound as it's more of a color. Yeah. So, you know. Almost like the tongue moving from the one yeah, mouth to the next consonant. I mean, all you have to do is close your mouth. I. When you're on stage, you actually have to think about it, especially when you sing. When you're singing the word I, you have to sing an ah and then let the E come in right at the end. So be really clinical about it. Yeah, and you really have to think of a... When I sing, I really think of using my dialect where I say, ah. Well, because in some dialects, they really don't have the diphthong. They just say, ah. Ah, you know. Well, we do like our diphthongs in English in every way, shape, and form. Of I mean, if we keep going on here, we get a bunch <laughs> of them right in a row. That's right, and we bask in them. Um, <laughs> I dream of Jeannie with a light brown hair. So we have light yes. and brown. Brown. And again, we just stay oh. on that ah. Brown hair. Mm-hmm. And this one, uh, uh, these two uh, diphthongs, uh, the, the, the light brown you actually have to you have to actually use both of the you have to use them yeah the the word here that, that that really stands out to me is hair with the r at the end of it because then the r is its actual it's a, it's its own sound 
It's its own syllable. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's almost, and it's almost uh, when you say uh, hair, you can actually almost, it's almost like it's a voiced consonant in there. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and it has its own shadow vowel. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but uh, I mean, you certainly don't want to say uh, hair, but, <laughs> but um, it's uh, light brown hair. There's a, 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 I hear it in German a lot too, when you say like the word mir. They say Mia, mm -hmm. and we, we do this at the. This is with the the R sound at the end of a word, mm -hmm. at the end of a sentence. Mm -hmm. It's definitely there, especially when it's when it's preceded by so many so many vowel sounds. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> well, and it everything in this rhymes, so we get to the next course. sentence too. Yes. Air, air, yeah, mm -hmm. air, yeah. And actually, in that sentence, in that little second line, we also have vapor. Yes, born like a vapor. This word too, you can vapor mm -hmm. or vapor. It's, oh, it's almost like an open O E. Yeah, it, it, it's not emphasized, but it's, right. I think the O sound is more But uh, I would always use uh, vapor mm -hmm. because that's how we say it right. in English. <laughs> so de-emphasize. Yeah, that's, yeah that's exactly. Syllable. Yeah. So, and then of course on the summer air. Mm-hmm. Summer air. Yes. Oh, my Oklahoma, my Oklahoma accent is just sticking out now. <laughs> <laughs> Hair and air. And, oh Lord. And I mean, this goes on throughout the entire the entire piece. Uh, many were the wild. We have I, just like I, wild. Yes. And then we go on to another diphthong. Voice. And this, to me, is you don't sit in the O sound. You really try to just get right through voice, mm -hmm. and you really you're giving just as much emphasis to the e as you are to the o, because if you, <laughs> voice is sounds foreign. It what sounds like you say almost yeah. saying voi in, yeah. in Italian. Yeah, in Italian, and actually I would think that would probably be almost uh, how how an Italian might sound if they didn't speak English. Voice and uh, the word wild is mm -hmm. very interesting too because you can say wild. Or wild. You can actually really use the L sound. I long for genie with the day dawn smile, radiant in gladness, warm winning guile, and uh, that uh, that that final L sound. This is the same as wild smile. You really want to stay in that primary sound first to get yourself to the voiced consonant at the end. Yeah. And of course, you, if you don't give enough. The voice consonant is going to sound out of place, mm -hmm. and uh, if if you don't give enough to the to the voice consonant, then the, the diphthong is going to sound overdone too. Exactly. So well, and we won't understand the word. Of course, you've got you've always uh, voice consonants in other words. You always have to finish a word. Mm -hmm. Always. Of course, I probably just didn't. But <laughs> <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. That's right. That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Sort of a rhyme that it is or is not a rhyme. The word rain and the word again at the ends uh, of yes. sighing like the night. Yes. Like the night wind. Sighing like the night wind, sobbing like the rain, wailing for the lost one that comes not again. Do you want to say again or do you want to say again? For me, I would all, I, in, in sticking with the fact that everything rhymes, I would say again. Mm -hmm. In this but, case. And, and when I read it, I actually said again, against my better judgment, it should have been again. 
because you're, you're sticking with the with the um, the idea of the piece. Now, of course, again is not that is not an American word. We say again, and we do have again another fun spelling thing in English. Oh, we yes. have two words that are spelled exactly the same, but don't necessarily sound the same. B o w s l o w. Yes. Bows low. No. <laughs> Bows low. You see the word B-O-W-S, and I'm from Oklahoma, so I think bows. Like bow so, and arrow. <laughs> like bow and arrow, yes. Cowboys, Indians, you know it. <laughs> but, um, it, yes, bows. And this is uh, similar to the, uh, the, 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 A, the AU in, in, uh, in German, the AU. AU, like yeah, brown. Like brown, yes, mm -hmm. bow. As opposed to L-O-W, yeah. low. Yeah, yeah, low with, with the O sound in mm -hmm. English, you can very easily make it a longer sound than it really is. Mm -hmm. Low, but it's, it's, uh, this is the difference between English and other languages. Our idea of a closed vowel, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily the same all the time. The sounds aren't. Uh, the, the actions are, but the sounds are different. And, exactly. Uh, and in order to make English sound more, in my opinion, more, more natural, we have a lot more open sounds than a lot of other a lot of other languages. We definitely don't have the the o sound that they have in German. We don't have the the o that goes to an u uh, or the e like unless you're from Minnesota. So and or that's Canada, the, yeah, or Canada. So <laughs> you can hear that Aaron's diphthongs actually are more open than both mine and Mark Lawson's. All three of us come from three completely different sections of America. I'm from the East Coast, Mark is from the Midwest, and Aaron, being from Oklahoma, has a little more of the Southern accent. We said that R's at the ends of words can almost be similar to the German upside-down A at the ends of words like Lieder and Eher. According to Madeline Marshall, these R's should be transcribed as a pure schwa, Heer, Eher. In Catherine LaBeouf's book, she uses a different phonetic letter, which looks like an upside-down E with a little tail. No matter how you choose to transcribe this letter for yourself, no, er, you might hear me say that sound all the time. It might sound that way on TV and films, but never let anyone get away with that in singing. Aaron Pegram came to opera after a successful career as an actor. He has a degree in musical theater from the University of Tulsa and had a five-year stint as the hunchback Quasimodo in Disney World's Hunchback of Notre Dame show. He transitioned into opera in 2003 when he won Orlando Opera's Heinz Riefus Singing Actor Award and was invited to join the opera studio there. Also a regional Met winner, he went on to work at Santa Fe Opera and New York City Opera, among others, and is currently a member of the Fest Ensemble at the Zemper Opera in Dresden. This past summer, he performed at the Saito Kinen Festival Matsumoto in Japan under the baton of Seiji Ozawa. When I sing English, I don't think about English vowels. I think about Italian vowels. Always. So really pure primary vowels. Really pure primary vowels, always. Because the, the Italian vowels are what make the voice speak clearly. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you color it with diphthongs and consonants, and that's what makes the English sound authentic, is the, the diphthongs and the, and, the, and the consonants, not the, not, not the vowel sounds. Yeah. The vowel sounds should always be strict, pure Italian vowels. 
and I, I've heard people say, oh, well, Italian dolls are too far forward, they're too far back, they're not American. You know what? Good sound is good sound, and Italian vowels are what make good sound. Well, and, and Italian vowels will pull the voice front, and American, I mean, you can hear us when we speak, our yeah. language is sort of in the middle of our mouth. It's in the middle of the mouth, and, and you know what? I'd much rather have somebody sing, sing English to me with the brighter sound than something that's a mishmash in the, in, in the middle and the back of the throat. It's, well, something it's just, that doesn't come off the stage then. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's also, it, it allows you to, to allow the, uh, the consonants to really project and get out into the audience. So you don't have to round everything and make it sound British when you sing, just use Italian dolls. It's much, it's much better. Mm -hmm. Since you come at this from an acting standpoint, mm -hmm. what are the differences between s speaking for the stage and singing for the stage? More sound, no. Uh, <laughs> actually, in all honesty, I don't think there's really that much difference. You're using the same muscles for support in speaking that you do in singing. As a singer, I prefer to keep my singing voice in the same spot where I speak. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of just a little more space. But for me, the, the, the biggest difference is when I'm singing, I naturally get rid of my dialect. My, 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 my accent goes away when I sing. Mm -hmm. It's not there. And when I'm speaking, it's definitely there, and I have to be conscious of it. But there, there really is no, no, no difference. And for those uh, like opera singers who have to do dialogue on stage, singing and speaking are they're connected. They're of the same body, mm -hmm. and when you do dialogue on stage, you don't paint on a different voice. You don't try to sing the dialogue. You just speak. And if you have one of those voices that your singing voice sounds different than your speaking voice, you find a way to make them sound connected. To match them up. Yeah, they have to. They have to, because my, my, my personal opinion is that if they don't, there might be an issue. But... The, the speaking voice feeds the singing voice, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Well, when it, as far as it goes with diction, do you find, is it, is it easier when you're singing to get out some of these consonants, to get some of the words out more clearly because you have more time, or, um, or less time, depending on the opera? Well, you know what's funny, yeah, it, it's, uh, what's the difference? Are you doing patter, or are you doing, you know, I came from a musical theater background, I did tons of patter, where, where you're having to get out lots of consonants all at the same time. Uh, I found that uh, when you sing when you sing patter legato, it's much easier, <laughs> you know. Exactly. So um, and uh, when you when you're staying on one stream of air, I do the same thing when I speak. Mm -hmm. When I when I want to get out a lot of different words, I don't try to move the mouth too much. I stay in one line and I keep it keep it centered so that I'm not getting too much extraneous movement. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's the same thing. I've always found it much easier to deliver dialogue than to sing. Okay. Singing, now singing is a natural thing for me. I love it. It's, it's what I do. But I've always found it much easier to deliver dialogue. And I, I feel it's probably why I do so many, so many parts that, that are roles that have dialogue in them. Mm -hmm. But I, I think w when you sing, you're so conscious of tone, and rhythm, what's going on underneath you in an orchestra, being musical. There's so many other components that go along with it. When I speak and I'm acting, I'm, all I'm thinking about is emotion. All yeah. I'm thinking about is 
what am I saying? Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I find that the, the, the coolest thing about coming from a textual standpoint as a singer, coming from being an actor, when I, when I approach singing the same way as from I did the as text. an actor, from the text, it frees everything up so much. Uh, I, I, I find myself singing with, with what, much more abandon and freedom than I, than I would if, if I'm just thinking about what kind of sounds I'm making. Yeah. And I think this is probably true for every singer. When, you, when you're really telling the story, then your voice speaks clearly. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't bog down in, in oh my ah vowel is too bright or oh my or too oh, dark yeah, or too dark <laughs> or, or oh did, did did I did I did I do that crescendo correctly no you just you just thinking about you you're living in the moment and being emotional and being connected and and talking to somebody and having a dialogue and that's much more important to me than 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 any sound I would make. I wanted to reiterate two things that Aaron said. First, that he always tries to sing with bright Italianate vowels. There's a reason that most of us started with the 24 Italian art songs, and a reason that opera began in Italy in the first place. Italian vowels are pure and bright and front, a perfect position for healthy singing. So when singing in English, especially for native speakers of English, it's important to think of getting those vowels in that forward placement that comes naturally to the Italian language. The second thing is that Aaron said he always starts with the text. Remember those seven rules for learning a song? The first rule? Learn the text. As he said, if you start with the text and have an emotional attachment to what you're saying, along with that bright front placement of the vowels, your diction will probably be very natural and understandable. And this applies to singing in any language. And that's all for episode 17. If you'd like to know more about Mark Lawson and Aaron Pegram, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a high rating so that more people can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening, and next week we'll be back with Russian tenor Andrei Dunaev discussing Lenski's aria from Yevgenia Nyegin.